You can now subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% every single time you get a delivery. A lot of you have got in on our one-time 20% off Strava Craft Coffee, but now you can do it and never have to think about it again. You never have to put in that code and you never have to you know, sit down and think, oh, I'm almost running out of coffee. You can set your interval. Maybe you know you go through a bag of coffee every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. Uh, you can set it up so Strava Craft Coffee will have one at your door whenever you want it, whenever you're ready for it, and you'll save 20% every single time. Definitely worth trying out Strava Craft Coffee. And you can come down to the DNVR bar and try out the Strava Craft Coffee CBD-infused cold brew, which I've yet to hear a bad review for, and as a coffee drinker myself, I actually love it a lot. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee and consider subscribing. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. It's the Colorado Inter- Institution for rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Head over to msudenver.edu online to scope out all they have to offer. It's vast what they have, so make sure you check it out. There's something for everyone. My boy, RK, what's up? We are 24 hours away from Broncos training camp officially being underway and us having eyes on everything that's going on. Will this be our fourth training camp together, Zach? Yes, as a a duo, it will. That's incredible. That is so wild. The years just fly (laughs) by. Like, I mean, how many podcasts have we done? Oh, man. I mean, probably, what, 200 a year? Yeah, I mean, I've obviously, I've obviously heard our numbers this year working on all sorts of other stuff with the company. But, yeah, I mean, there was definitely years where we did at least 300. Whew. Uh, so we've, so we've topped 1,000. Yeah, I was going to say we're probably well over 1,000 as a duo. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> Uh, and training camp is honestly my favorite part of all of this. And maybe it's because the Broncos have sucked for all of the years that we've been <laughs> together. But training camp just seems like, uh, I don't know, it's like a, it's an oasis after the long desert uh, of the offseason. You get into training camp, you finally get to lay eyes on these guys. You get, you have, you know, everyone has a take. Um, I love that, that not everything is quantifiable, like in a game, you know, in a game, it doesn't matter how good so-and-so played if they lost or whatever. In this, everything is, is in the eye of the beholder. And I love it because, you know, you and I could – and we won't be able to this year, but <laughs> you and I could look at the same practice and see two different things. We won't be looking at the same practice, but we can look at the same guy in two different practices and see two very different things, and then we get to hash it out. And, you know, I just I, – I love training camp. I love how hungry the listeners are for the information. I love that this year we're going to be bringing it to them live right after training camp. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's a, 
it's a special time. It's and it's and it's definitely my favorite time to be covering the team. Yeah, there there's no doubt about it. And man, our coverage is going to be off the walls this year, Ryan. Like you said, bring in the listeners, the live instant reaction from each practice. I'm so pumped for. It's different, but I can guarantee you one thing, Ryan. It's going to be a blast. It is going to be a blast, and again. Uh, we're committed to bringing everyone the best possible coverage. Uh, I really don't think you'll find a place where you're going to get better coverage. There's definitely going to be no places that are giving you written breakdowns of every practice uh, that also are bringing you live breakdowns of every practice that are also giving you quote pieces from what the guys are saying after practice. I mean, it's just uh, – I, I hate to, you know, just pat ourselves on the back, but it's pretty unbeatable what we do. So if you haven't yet, never a better time to subscribe than to hop on now and become a member at thednvr.com. You'll get all of our written content on top of what you're already getting from the podcast and the lives. Uh, and you'll really support us. On top of that, you'll get a free T-shirt, which is worth 30 bucks. You'll get a free mask, which is worth 15 bucks. You'll be safe. You'll be looking fresh. And, uh, and you'll be as informed as anyone on the Denver Broncos. So we'd love if you went to the thednvr.com and subscribed to support our training camp coverage because we cannot wait to bring it to you. Yeah, without a doubt. And Ryan, speaking of camp, on the eve of training camp, what's the biggest storyline and biggest thing that you're following and excited for for camp? Yeah, you know, we've got three topics here that we're going to – four, I guess, four topics that we're going to discuss in this training camp review. This one is the easiest answer. This is all about Drew Locke and the offense. Uh, You know, when Peyton Manning came to town, that's all anyone cared about was Peyton Manning and the offense. And this is similar to that because while Peyton Manning, at least, you know, there's still people out there who are saying they didn't know – you know, that the Broncos didn't know what Peyton Manning they were getting. I knew what Peyton Manning they were getting. I knew it was going to be awesome. (laughs) This one has a little more intrigue. We know that Drew Locke has everything it takes to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. We know that the Broncos have now doubled down on him and given him all the weapons that he would need to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. And when you do that, it all comes down to Drew Locke just finishing the job. He's got to take all those pieces and put it together. Yep, you're 100% right. I'll narrow it down just a tiny bit, Ryan. I'm going Drew and the Rooks, specifically the three he's going to be throwing to, specifically the two that were taken in the first two rounds. You got Albert O, who he's been catching some passes in some videos the Broncos have released from Drew. Uh, Of course, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. I got to see how all of these guys build the connection, build the relationship with Drew, and just confirm that Jerry Judy is the truth, like I 100% believe he is, and then really see what where K.J. Hamler's at. Does that speed translate to the field right away? Is he picking up on everything really quick, even with the shortened offseason, or with the virtual offseason and the shortened training camp? Is he going to be up to speed to be that third receiver? Or do we have to go back to our conversation that we had earlier in the week of who's going to be the third receiver if it takes KJ a little bit of time? And I think that is going – and then, of course, right in the heart of that is Drew Locke. Does Drew Locke look like he's taken that next step like we all believe he, he has and is going to? 
exactly. And if he is able to take a step forward from what we saw from him last year, where I just saw this morning, thanks to one of our listeners tweeting us at this, he was the one uh, quarterback who had a over a 100 passer rating of any rookies last year while uh, in a clean pocket. You know, little things like that just give you a lot of confidence in this guy. And I know that there's someone at home saying, well, he's never going to have a clean pocket behind this offense. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, but w- w- not on top of him being good from the pocket, which we knew, he was also great on the run. He also had such a good feel for the rush. Zach, it took you and I a very short time of seeing Drew Locke to know that, that he had what it takes. And I'm of the belief that he's only going to get better. And, yes, you know, you can throw around the young offense excuses, this, that, or the other thing. This offense is going to go as far as Drew Locke takes them. Forget Jerry Judy learning the playbook and K.J. Hamler coming along and all this stuff. This offense will go as Drew Locke goes, and I am very, very confident that Drew Locke is going to take it to high places. So that's what this training camp is all about. It's all about Drew Locke being the guy looking you know we have a weird um frame of reference for what a quarterback should look like in training camp (laughs) but we're we're going to need to see him look better than Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch did which should be pretty easy we're going to need him to look better than Case Keenum did which actually is going to be pretty hard (laughs) we're going to need him to look better than Joe Flacco did which he already may have done that last year in my opinion um so that's what this is all about uh, you know, I have that Case Keenum training camp in my head because it was a near-perfect training camp. Like, I, I don't know how else to explain this to the people other than he looked absolutely stellar every single day of training camp. I need to see that from Drew. I need to see him. Now, if he has a bad day, it's fine. But I want to see him look like the, the guy that we know he is day in, day out throughout this training camp. Without a doubt. And, Ryan, the good thing is – is he's going to have a tough test every single day going up against the highest paid defense in the NFL in their second year under Vic Fangio. If Drew's lighting it up during camp against these guys, then we're going to be able to realistically say, this guy's the truth. He's had a fantastic training camp against what should be a top five, top three, not crazy to say the best defense in the NFL. So if he's lighting it up, it's not going against JV guys it's going up against a really good squad and he's got all the pieces around him in order to do that yes it's young but we should see often during camp explosions from this offense absolutely absolutely and to me the thing I'm most excited about is watching Jerry Judy I just I can't wait to watch him run routes on NFL corners I just I, I think I know what it's going to look like, but I, I want to see it with my own eyes. That's what I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, Mace will be at practice tomorrow, just so you guys have an idea of how things are working out. Mace will be at practice tomorrow. You'll be at practice on Sunday. I'll be at practice on Monday. And then we're going to kind of hop into a cycle after that uh, where it's just alternating every day, except for that, the, that first couple days it's going to switch up. But uh, it'll be really great to just – hear someone who was there and Zach you and I take the perspective of the fans tomorrow when Mace gets out of practice where you know 
we have all these questions. We might not have as much time for questions because we're going to be asking all the questions. <laughs> you know, we, we're going to have a ton of things on our mind. How did this guy look? How did this guy look? What did you see here? So uh, it's going to be interesting. It'll be fun. I think it'll create a good dynamic on the podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, our second topic here uh, as we go into this is what is the biggest or most intriguing position battle to you, Zach? Mm. Well, we could go offensive line. Like you said, that a lot of people are looking at that. But I'm going the guys behind Drew Locke. I'm Same. going Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Because not just are they two Pro Bowl running backs battling for the top spot, but it's going to be exciting off the field. What they're saying with Philip Lindsay, man, you can only expect it's going to be entertaining, fun, fiery. Uh, a word he used when we talked to him earlier this week. And with Melvin Gordon, we haven't talked to him that much, but some things that we have heard, he's not backing down to Phil. And I'm excited to see this battle, even if it does get a little fiery at times. I think that would be a good thing if it's at times, not all the time. And, man, just see how this thing unfolds because, honestly, I think this competition is going to make both of them just even better. I do too. I'm so looking forward to this competition because I think Phil is taking this straight up personally. Yeah. Uh, and not, and I'm not talking about as a whole. I'm talking about he's taking every opportunity personally. He's taking every snap personally. He's taking every throw to him in the flat personally. He's taking every run personally. He's taking every Melvin Gordon run personally. Like Philip Lindsay is going to be uh, just a man possessed in this. Uh, and I will not be surprised at all if in the first couple of days of training camp, a coach has to pull him aside and said, dude, chill out. <laughs> Gotta chill out. Like, we get it. You're, you're a freak. You're a Tasmanian devil. Uh, like, you're going to hurt someone out there with how hard you're running, if not yourself. So I, I just can't wait to see it. You know, I just – I think Phil is a wound-up ball – of passion and energy and and just all of this stuff right now and I'm excited to see how that translates to the football field yeah me it's going to be so much fun and that's not even mentioning Melvin Gordon who we you know we know about but we don't know that much about we don't know how he's going to fit in this offense we don't know how Pat Shermer wants to use him specifically that's another thing we're going to discover over this time so uh it's it's going to be an exciting competition I'll just be honest. I will be surprised if we leave training camp saying Melvin Gordon looked better than Philip Lindsay. I will be, I'll be shocked. <laughs> Man. And speaking of looking better, they both look so good in the Broncos uniform. Uh, we, we've known that Phil looks good, but man, Melvin rocks it really good too. He does. It's because he's absolutely stacked. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He is so ripped. He's huge. He's got the dreads coming out of the back of the helmet. It's a, it's a fantastic look. He rocks the 25 really well, as he has throughout his career. So that's, that's a, another – I mean, there's a lot of guys who are looking great out there. Jerry Judy looks great in orange and blue. Yes, he does. He really does. And he, he looks like an NFL body right away, too. It's Absolutely. not like he's going to need a little bit of time. Where a K.J. Hamler may need that. Yep. Okay, next one here, Zach. Who is your surprise to make the team? There's always one. Mm, there is always one, and there's always an undrafted uh, player that makes the team. So I'm going that route. 
And I'm going running back, Levante Bellamy. This position is not shy and afraid of getting running backs who are undrafted on the team. So I'm going Levante Bellamy because Kalfani Muhammad, honestly, we thought that he could have been a surprise to get that third spot. No, Broncos said he's not even making the 80-man squad cut him when they could have gone Levante Bellamy. I think that shows that they really like this guy. He's rushed for over 1,200 yards the past two seasons and each of those seasons. And I think he's someone that you can take a little bit of a risk on. You can, you don't need a veteran third running back on your team. So take a little risk because the third back on this team, no matter who it is, isn't going to see the field much. So might as well take a little risk and choose Levante Bellamy over Royce Freeman. Wow. So that answers my next question, which is who's the surprise cut? You go Levante Bellamy over Royce Freeman. I hope Henry Chisholm is listening to this right now because he's doing backflips. Um, he is like the ultimate Levante Bellamy stand. Uh, if it was available, he'd probably already have a Levante Bellamy jersey. But I'm with both of you, and I'm only going to give a different answer here because uh, that makes it more interesting. Um, but I would have said the same thing as you, Zach. I think Levante Bellamy is – uh, a NFL caliber player. I think there's going to be a time where teams wonder why the hell they let a guy who was that productive in college go undrafted. So if he makes a team, I will not be surprised at all. I'll go to the other side of the ball, though, in a place where I think the Broncos could use some quality depth and go with a corner out of Wake Forest by the name of Isang Bassi. Uh, this is a guy who people thought could have gone as high as the fourth round. Um, you might even be able to find someone who said he should have gone higher than that. He somehow falls and falls and falls. And I remember seeing on Twitter as the Broncos' fifth-round pick came up, people said, oh, they should go get Bassey. Sixth-round pick, go get Bassey. Seventh-round pick, go get Bassey. <laughs> he, know, he, he doesn't go to the Broncos. He doesn't go to anyone. And then a few minutes later, we find out that he's signing with the Broncos in free agency. This could be, you know, the next Bryce Callahan or someone along those lines. Um, a really talented corner out of Wake. And I think, like I said, the Broncos could use some depth on that in that position. I think there's a there's a lot of opportunity for guys to jump up the depth chart. So it would not surprise me if Bassey is the guy. And then I went to my surprise cut, and I I didn't really see one at the corner where it's a one for one swap there. I don't see much across the defense. I thought maybe Josie Jewell, and then I thought eh, he's a valuable special teams guy that you always need those. And I worked my way around the roster, and I went to each position. <laughs> And then I came to running back. <laughs> and that's where I landed on the exact same guy that you did, Royce Freeman. Look, you just you got to be really good at something to be in the NFL or at least very good at multiple things or, you know, above average at multiple things. And I just don't think he is. Um, he's pretty average everywhere. And that might be nice compared to some of the things we heard uh, when we were at the Combine about Royce Freeman, which were not nearly as glowing as me saying he's average at everything. It was a lot worse than that. So I just don't know if, if he's a hit in the NFL uh, as a third-round pick. And John Elway, while he in the past had had a problem of hanging on to guys like this for too long, I think he's moved on past that. And, and if a guy like Levante Bellamy is going to be electric, that's worth way more than Royce, Royce Freeman being 
solid. Yeah. Um, you can count on Royce Freeman to pick up a pass block here and there. You can count on Royce Freeman to catch a pass out of the backfield. But can you count on him to do anything spectacular ever? I don't think so. In fact, I only remember him doing one thing that really made my eyes pop in the NFL. And he took a little sweep. He broke a tackle. He had a stiff arm. And he scored a touchdown early in the season in his rookie year. And then he got injured. He had that high ankle sprain, and it really took the wind out of his sails. I don't think he's ever been able to get it back. So, well, I'd be surprised if he makes the team. No, because he is just solid. And sometimes NFL coaches fall in love with just solid and re- reliable. But, man, I just think, especially now that you have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, that third back should, have, should just have something else, have something special to them, not just be a, a – an okay guy, and that's what Royce Freeman is. Exactly. A guy that's averaging 3.9 yards per carry throughout his career. That's Devontae Booker, and Devontae Booker got absolutely just killed because he averaged under four yards per carry up until, uh, I believe, two seasons ago. And that's what Royce is trending down in the running game, only averaged 3.9 yards per carry last year. And, Ryan, if the Bron- – I'm touching wood like crazy here. If the Broncos – need to rely on their third running back well they're toast anyway if it's Royce Freeman if it's Levante Bellamy if you lose two Pro Bowl running backs your running game's toast so at that point I don't really care about the reliability when it comes down to that because you're to to put it frankly you're in big time trouble if that's the case so does Royce or Levante Bellamy have a better chance to come on the field for four plays a game and provide something uh, electric. It's Levante Bellamy in a heartbeat. This is not a guy you need to rely on. Let, let's say, again, touch on wood, let's say either Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon gets hurt. Well, you're probably just going to rely on the other one a ton. It's not going to be Levante Bellamy filling in exactly for, Roy, or for Melvin Gordon or for Philip Lindsay. No, you're going to rely on that other guy. So I go with the high upside play because the risk is very low. I completely agree with you across the board with everything you said there. And uh, and it's a shame because I was actually – I really liked Royce Freeman at Oregon, and I thought um, his speed that he displayed while still being a bigger guy would translate to the NFL. And I, I don't know if that high ankle sprain really did him in because it seemed like it kind of did early on in his career. Um, and ever since then, he's just looked slow. Uh, no, like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's just looked slow. So – We'll see what happens there. That's another fun one. The, the, the running backs will be appointment viewing. Uh, a lot of intrigue over there between the top of the depth chart and the bottom of the depth chart. Uh, so that, that's exciting as well. All right, Zach, any other, you know, little training camp tidbits uh, that are on your mind here as we are less than 24 hours away from the first practice? Man, on the defensive side, I really got to look at Bryce Callahan and Bradley Chubb. Those are kind of the two X factors. I expect Von Miller to be good. Now, is that 10 sacks this year or 16? I think he's capable of definitely getting 16. I don't really think we're going to find that out in training camp because he always destroys Garrett Bowles in training camp. Let's just be honest. So I don't really care about Von in this because I know he's going to look good. But Bradley Chubb and Bryce Callahan, if those two guys are the truth and play the majority of the season, then – there's, I don't see a possibility where this defense is not top 10. I just don't if they are that good. Um, but I want to make sure that Bradley Chubb still has that explosion 
coming off of his second ACL surgery. And I want to make sure that Bryce Callahan can stay healthy and see what he brings. He's going to work inside. He's going to work outside. I want to see exactly how Vic uses him. And especially against Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Corton Sutton, how much of a shutdown he is. Man, I was so high on Bryce Callahan last training camp. I think I might have been as high as anyone. I, I just kept pounding the table saying, this guy's going to be a fan favorite. Um, he has that same bulldog mentality in the slot and just as a corner out there that, that Chris Harris Jr. brought. Um, size, none of it matters. He just, he just grinds uh, when he's out there on the field. And I just remember, you know, Dre said it in his original film room. Bryce Callahan is where slants go to die. And I saw it bear itself out in training camp last year, time after time after time in the few practices that he was out there for uh, early on in the first few days. And, and then it was just gone forever. Um, so if, if that's the Bryce Callahan the Broncos are getting and he's healthy, this defense is going to be legit. Yeah. It's going to be very legit, and it's the highest-paid secondary. It's the highest-paid uh, starting cornerback group, I believe. So it should be legit, but he's the X factor for it all to go because we know that Boye is going to be good in this defense. He's a very good fit in this defense. We know Kareem and Justin are going to be very good. If you have two holes at cornerback, you're toast. And maybe not toast, but you're in trouble. If you have one question mark at cornerback because Bryce Callahan steps up and is the guy that you think he is, Vic Fangio can work around that. And also, I think Devontae Bosby, Michael Ojemudia, I think they're going to be very good, uh, at least number three cornerbacks. So I'm not worried about that. But what you can't have is your number two be a, a big hole again when you're counting on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Zach, before we move on, a big shout-out to Breckeridge Brewery, the go-to place for beers when you are a DNVR member, a member of the DNVR family. Whatever you are, you got to have a Breck Brew. An ice-cold Breck Brew will turn around any day as we, you know, hop on to the live shows after each training camp practice. It might be a good time for a Breck Brew for you, for us, for anyone. There's never a bad time for a Breck Brew. And, you know, we, got, we finally got the Strawberry Sky on tap at the bar and it's just the talk of the town in there. You know, every, everyone is talking about how great the Strawberry Sky is. A lot of people trying it for the first time. It's the, it's the quintessential summer beer. So uh, make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery whenever you get a chance. Huge weekend in Denver on the football field for the Broncos. And a huge weekend in MMA with UFC 252. With two of the most respected fighters stepping into the octagon to battle each other this weekend. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And for this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users the opportunity to bet $1 to win $252 in honor of UFC 252. That's incredible. So all you have to do is place $1 bet to win $252. You're not going to find better odds out there. I can guarantee you that. And for this weekend, they're also offering fighter props, round-by-round -round betting, and so much more. 
And with basketball playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering $10 in free bets to use on in-game action for every day of the first round. So make sure you check back every single day. And the great thing about DraftKings Sportsbook is it's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So go to the App Store, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $252 this weekend. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $252 when placing a $1 bet this weekend by using that code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I have to tell you, you know, as far as DraftKings Sportsbook goes, last night, um, you know, of course, we did the full-day marathon at the DNVR bar, uh, starting with the Rockies, moving into the Avalanche, finishing it off with the Nuggets. Uh, and even though the Denver teams went one and two in those games, we're calling the Nuggets a win because they locked in their matchup with true champ fans, Jazz, who are they are undefeated <laughs> against this season, uh, which is what Michael Malone wanted. Michael Malone, a.k.a. the puppet master, he always gets the matchup he wants in the first round. Um, and after the game, uh, Allie is producing the uh, DNVR Nuggets post-game show. So I've got to hang around a little bit, and uh, I'm hanging out there with Hank. We're just kind of, you know, sitting around. We don't really know what to do. Uh, we look up on the screen, and there's this uh, – Canucks Blues game and you know first of all screw the Blues so we're like let's get in on this so each of us get a live bet down on the Canucks to win the game and you know the next hour and a half was exhilarating for us (laughs) because we had a a rooting interest in this hockey game the Canucks win 4-2 we win our money and it was like we went from just being hapless we, we didn't know what to do with ourselves to being absolutely locked in on a hockey game that otherwise we really wouldn't have cared about and had a great time cheering on the Canucks, even though, you know, uh, normally would never do that. But <laughs> against the Blues, I'm cool with it. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of the essence of sports betting. I always – sometimes I call them fun tickets. Sometimes I call them, you know, just paying, paying to enjoy sports. It's, it's sports-enhancing – whatever you want to do like you you d-line uh who designs all our shirts like has been in on this and he's like wow i never thought i would be this into sports gambling but it just makes watching sports so much more fun so much but if it's not a denver team and you put something on the game it, it makes it feel like it's a denver team for that hour that three hours whatever it is it's so and and the live betting is also so much fun oh my god last night we're sitting there and uh watching this Nuggets game and Eric's like D-line is like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna bet live on the next field goal to be a (laughs) three-pointer oh my gosh and so then Henry's like oh I'm in on that too I'm in on that too so they both get in on it and like the ball's going back and forth and it's like I think it's like the first quarter maybe the second quarter and the ball just goes to bull bull wide open at the top of the key. <laughs> and not just those two, but all of us are so, we all stand up and bull bull just cashes it from the top of the key. We're all like going crazy because they won like, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. Uh, that's, it's exactly like it turns, you know, just normal stuff into exhilarating moments. 
bowl bowl with an open shot is uh, from anywhere on the court, you're going to win your money. Bowl bowl, cash, cash. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways, let's jump into the questions here from the listeners. And the first one comes in from D dubs. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Finally caught up on pods after vacation in North Carolina last week. Kind of a long one, so feel free to skip around as desired. Not a long one. So much Broncos and life news to catch up on. So little time. As a resident expert on all things South, Mace, is it always that damn humid? Well, Mace isn't here as he is moving today. Uh, But I can answer that question for you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is always that damn humid. Uh, He goes on and says, we had plans to stay at a house on Holden Beach, but in typical 2020 fashion, a hurricane had other ideas for us. Oh, man. As a native of Colorado, needless to say, I was not prepared for the storm. We made the best of the week and had a great time in Wilmington, a great town right on the coast. Trying to keep it as light as possible today, I'll chime in with Broncos questions later in the week. But shout out to Breckenridge as the Oktoberfest is out in market with Autumn Ale following right behind it. And shout out to Ten Barrel Brewing, a sister brewery also owned by AB that has killer beers and a brew pub just down the street from Coors Field. Definitely worth checking them out. Yes, the Breckenridge fall beers are coming out. And Zach, I have to say, it's going to be really hard for me to embrace the fall without college football. Oh man, I know. I'm so sorry about your bucks. Yeah, you know, you know, the uh, realist inside me is saying like, oh, this might be a little bit of a favor for the buffs because they weren't going to be very good this season. <laughs> um, but the college football fan in me says like, I don't care if they lose every game 100 to zero. I just want to get drunk at Folsom Field. <laughs> um, and the, those two internal battles our struggle. The other thing that I'm choosing to take as a positive from this is my Saturday mornings in the fall just became wide open for golf. <laughs> I'm thinking I honestly might um, just create a recurring tea time at 8 a.m. every Saturday every Saturday morning throughout the entire fall. So I just I, I don't even have time to wake up and think about how there's not college football. I just like wake up, put my clothes on, get in the car, drive to the course have a great time on the course and then i'm really tired afterwards i'm not you know just take all the thinking out of it just play golf man that's smart are are there any courses that that in the summertime you're like man i really want to play here in the fall when the leaves are turning but i can't because i'm always at Folsom. i've never even considered playing golf in the like in the fall (laughs) to be honest um it just it's never been something that crossed my mind my fall weekends are completely spoken for uh, and weekdays as well. You know, we're so busy. I I do not remember. So every year I had been playing that um, early tea time, the day of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. That was yeah. always my last round of the year. And that's not really the fall. Right. So I don't know what fall golf is even like. <laughs> You'll find out this year. And man, when I saw that CSU was no longer going to play because of course they canceled their season before CU did. Uh, One of the first things I thought of Ryan was a lot of weight is off your shoulders. Now you don't have to worry about CU losing to CSU this year. It can't happen. So at least that stress for the next month is gone. That always is a stressful experience for me, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's doubly great now that the Bubs finish that series on a five game winning streak <laughs> yeah and you I don't mean, have to play it in Fort Collins this year I didn't get that. exactly it has been thousands 
of days since CSU beat CU in football, and that and that <laughs> counter is not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> so we, as a duo, maybe bad luck for the Broncos, but are we good luck in terms of uh, the gold and black in the Rocky Mountain Showdown? Since I don't think they've won since we've been together. They have not. Uh, I I just don't really think the Buffs need luck in that matchup. If we're being completely honest. Oh <laughs> wow. <laughs> Next one coming in from Race City Bronco. Hey guys, longtime listener, first time commenter. Welcome. We got him. Over the past year, y'all have kept me company while working on cars in my garage and during the quarantine as I work from home in the temporary office in my bedroom. So I finally bit the bullet and subscribed. I love my Nolan Arenado shirt, by the way. As a native from Western Colorado, my work has brought me to North Carolina, and I was really looking forward to attending a Broncos game against the Panthers and maybe even the Falcons this year. Sadly, that might not happen. But if it's safe, I would love to grab some barbecue with Mace when or if he comes out to visit. Oh, that sounds great. A few days ago, you were discussing the Mount Rushmore of Denver Broncos running backs, and since I'm an analyst by trade, I dug into some numbers of the all-time greats and was just surprised to see to see old number seven John Elway ranked seventh in Broncos' <laughs> career rushing yards with 3,407 and fifth overall in rushing touchdowns with 33. Philip Lindsay isn't far behind and only needs 1,369 yards to pass John. So my question is, how many games do you think it will take for Phil to pass John? And what can Lindsay's ceiling be in this offense if he's truly healthy? Wow. I mean, I had a race city Bronco. I had no idea that John had that many rushing yards. And it's wild that Phil has had two back-to-back thousand yard seasons and is still significantly behind John. John Elway played what? 16 years for the Broncos. Yes. More than that. Okay. Divided by 16. That's 212 rushing yards per season, um, which is pretty solid for a quarterback. Yeah, that's Royce Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Power back, him and John Elway. Uh, So 212 rushing yards per season, if if he did play 16, which feels right in my mind. Um, And fifth overall in rushing touchdowns with 33. That's, you know, right around two per season. So that's a – that's solid right there. Um, when will Philip Lindsay catch him? Probably in the early quadrant of next season, I would say. Yeah, I think that that's, that's right on. I'll go week eight. I'll go in the middle of next season of 2021, just because they're splitting the workload. Uh, but Philip Lindsay's ceiling is very high in this offense. Now, we talked to him on Wednesday, and he said, or I guess on Tuesday, And he said that his wrist was worse last year than he thought it was going to be coming off that surgery at the end of his rookie season. And he attributed that to not being the best receiving back last year. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he was a good receiving back in college. He really was. Uh, Didn't get the opportunities that much his rookie season to put up crazy stats. Um, But last year was hindered. And he says the wrist is is much, much better now. So I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt until I see otherwise that this year he'll get back to that form that he was in college. Zach, I always laugh at this stuff. Uh, <laughs> during the season, everyone is always fine. 
there's no injury, there's no issues, there's nothing wrong, 100%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow, the next training camp, you find out how bad everything was as, as long as it's an excuse for something. And so I love Phil. Everyone knows that. But I, I, I just – this falls into a pattern that I've seen far too many times. I believe wholeheartedly that he will be a better receiving back this year than he was last year. And I also think there was something going on that caused him to be, you know, less productive as a receiving back last year. To me, it looked like he was seeing Kareem Jackson coming around the corner at him, you know, every time he reached his hands up. That's my take on it. Was the wrist an issue? Probably. But I just think it's always funny how you ask a guy – in week one, if X, Y, or Z is going to impact him this year, it's a hard no. You ask him at the beginning of training camp the next year, if that affected him, oh, man, it was <laughs> the sole reason for every wrong thing that happened the whole year. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I'm sure we'll find out more of those things from other people this, this, uh, in the next few weeks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next one here is from Low Country Bronco. He says, morning, boys. Just read an article about the top offenses to watch this season. Not only were the Broncos not mentioned, but the Raiders and Lions were on the list. At this point, I'm questioning the NFL media powers that be. Uh, the Broncos are unproven, but the Raiders and Lions are straight up booty. I can't wait for Locke and the boys to show them what's up. Around November, everyone will act like they called the Broncos being a top five team. Gotta love the ever-evolving bandwagon country bronco <laughs> yeah ryan do you know what offense is getting the least amount of cap dollars in 2020 spent on them uh the denver broncos do you know the flip side of that which offense has the most cap dollars allocated to them because i think i know where this is going i'm going to guess the raiders good call i'll tell you what before i saw this yesterday I would have never guessed that in a million years. And who the hell one? are they paying other than Derek Carr and Trent Brown? I have I have no idea. I, I think Henry Ruggs, I'm like, no, no, no. He's he's a rookie. He's not getting paid a lot of money. I have no idea. I mean, their offensive line must just be raking it in. They must have some a lot of dead money on the offense. I don't know where that is, but um which one would you rather have right now? Broncos in a heartbeat, hands it's, down, no question. It's so crazy because I agree with you. And the Broncos are spending something like $80 million less on their offense than the Raiders. Unbelievable. Uh, True Champ fan chimed in after that and said, I, I read an article that had Denver listed as third in the AFC West for receivers behind KC and the Raiders at number two, the Raiders who did not have a Pro Bowl wideout last season. Yeah, the Broncos have a Pro Bowl receiver, uh, and somehow the Raiders with Henry Ruggs and uh, Renfro, yeah, and uh, uh, maybe they tried to convince themselves that Darren Waller was a receiver. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, whew. even if uh, Henry Ruggs is Tyreek Hill, which it'll take a few years to happen, but let's say that happens this year. I'll still take Denver's wide receivers. And that's saying that they have one of the best wide receivers, but it's, it's Henry Ruggs. And to me, end list in terms of like great receivers. 
Yeah, Renfro is, you know, exactly what you thought he would be, a reliable third down option, you know, slot receiver, just the classic. Um, Jim Rat. The classic white possession (laughs) slot receiver. He's exactly what we thought he was going to be. Uh, And he's good. Uh, He's a good player. But there's just no way. There's no way the Raiders have better receivers than the Broncos. No, no, definitely not. Next one coming in from The Count. And because Mace isn't here, I'll take it over. He says, I must vent. I'm ticked off Thursday. When speaking of football, can we please agree to use the phrase snap count and not pitch count? There's no pitching in football, is there? Am I wrong or am I just an asshole? Or both? Love The Count. Uh, you're definitely overreacting to this. <laughs> um, not worth getting ticked off over. I think that pitch, you know, certain phrases just make their way everywhere. It, it doesn't even have to be just in football. You know, like a pitch, ca- a pitch count is just something that everyone completely understands right off the bat, right? You know, you're limiting the amount of action uh, someone would get. If someone's like, man, Ryan's voice is sounding really raspy. We need to put him on a pitch count for podcasts this week. Like, everyone would know exactly what that meant. And so I think that certain phrases just become commonplace and it's just easy to work them into your everyday conversations. So, well, yes, a snap count makes more sense than a pitch count. A pitch count has just become a widely accepted term for limiting someone's load. To be fair to the count, I don't think we use pitch count, though. Do, have, have we ever used pitch count? Because I'm sure I have, because I feel oh, like it's really maybe just you a have. simple thing to say. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm turning on you then. It's absolutely snap count, the count. I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, I guess that I shouldn't be uh, – I, I should take advice on what count to use from the literal count. <laughs> uh, but I just – you know, I'm trying to think of, like, one in football that would be used um, in another sport, and I'll be able to think of it eventually, but – uh, you know, it's just certain things translate from sport to sport because it's just easy to understand what it means. And I, th- I, I know what you're saying, Ryan, about the pitch count being it. Pitch count honestly transcends sports, just kind of like exactly. the phrase you used. But if I were to ask you, um, what was Jerry Judy's pitch count yesterday? I think you'd be like, that. That's weird way to put no, it. No, totally. You know, I, but I would yeah, say snap yeah. count. Right, but it's just like, oh, okay, you know, we're easing him in. We got to put him on a pitch count to get things started. Like, everyone right. knows what that means. Right, that's true. That's true. Bobby Lang says, first off, the count is as much a part of the podcast as the DNVR contributors never stop, my friend. Second, Amen. adding to the KJ Hamler convo, could we not see him used as a weapon like BA suggested in the number four re- receiver role and or in combination of the third and fourth receiver role, ending up with the third in production overall for wideouts. Okay, so here's my thing on, uh, on K.J. Hamler. He can absolutely be used as a weapon, but the most underrated part about K.J. Hamler is that he's a route runner. Uh, and I don't think people fully understand that yet. You know, he's not Isaiah McKenzie or Deontay Spencer who are just straight speed and yet, yeah, you just get them in in on a reverse or a bubble screen and try and get them some space to work in. No, he works himself open on routes. uh, And that's what makes him such an appealing option in the slot. Not to mention he runs the slot fade as well as probably anyone coming out of this draft class. So, 
he's he's just very valuable on the field at not just as a weapon but as a wide receiver yeah it's a really good point personally i'm wondering if there is simply too much focus on the number of plays in the slot or who comes onto the field after judy and sutton but not enough thought to the matchup and or packages each week will bring yeah and, and i think i do think that kj hamler ends up as the third most productive wide receiver on this team and I don't think it's going to be close and putting Noah Fant uh, in his own category uh, as a tight end. He goes on and says at the end of the year, he will lead the team in explosive plays, but may not be a Hollywood Brown. I can't say that as a disappointment, but rather a welcome addition. I agree with you. If he's not number three this year, then in 2021, he's your full-time slot receiver, respectively or respectfully Bobby. Yeah. I think he's right in there when he talks about the packages and, each matchup and you know who's who and um an example is like the titans in week one have a dory jackson in their secondary and he's an absolute speed demon um and so maybe that changes the broncos approach to how they want to attack maybe they want to put uh, a dory jackson in the slot to cover kj hamler i don't i honestly don't know too much about how they use him i just know he's there and he's really fast uh so there's, but you're right. The matchups dictate what a team's going to do, the packages that they're going to build, and the offense that they're going to run each week. It's not going to be full Josh McDaniel status where, you know, they change the entire scheme every week based off of who they're going against. But you are going to see packages based off of where they believe they have advantages week in, week out. And maybe one week that's, you know, playing Jerry Judy in the slot and Tim Patrick on the outside. Whatever it is, you're right that there's not enough attention to be, to be paid to that. The hard thing about it in a, you know, is every take we have right now is based on the whole of a 16-game season because that's where we're working. That's what we're working with right now. We're talking about how the Broncos are going to look as a whole this season. When right. we get into week one, that's when we start talking about how the matchups are going to work out and where the Broncos can gain an advantage and this, that, and the other thing. So uh, you're right, but it's hard to say, like, right now okay so week one they're going to want to go with this package week two they're going to want to go with this package week three etc cetera, et cetera. ryan we know the noah fant uh little handoff jet sweep is no good what about the kj hamler jet sweep is that no good or do you love it well i know that you've been balling out with uh jalen waddle in the madden league and i've been doing the same with kj hamler and uh the go-to for me on that is the jet sweep so I'm I'm a big believer that if you have one-on-one -on, -one on the outside on one side and you have a little bit of a an advantage on that side of the field, um, you should run the jet sweep and get the ball into the hands of your fast players. So would you be okay with the Broncos opening the season with a K.J. Hamler jet sweep? I think they should fake it on the first play of the season uh, and turn that into a shot play. Um, and you could even have him fake the jet sweep and turn that into a wheel route. Uh, and you might be able to maybe get a mismatch there. So the first play of the season, talk about a way to throw a defense off and man, and not just of the season, but the first live play that the Titans will be going up against as a team because they won't have the preseason. Man, I would love that play. That would be fantastic. And then you have Jerry Judy uh, cutting across the field. And if he's open, you throw it to him. You go deep to Cortland. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, sounds pretty nice. <laughs> sounds pretty nice. So, Next Pat Shermer, uh, I hope you, hope you like that play. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll give you that one for free. But the other ones we're going to have to charge for. Uh, from Hey Duke Abides. I just realized that a year has passed since I became a DNVR member. Thanks for all the great content, the community, and for being a source of sanity in a time we all badly need it. Can't wait for the camp coverage and looking forward to riding with you guys for another year. TLDR, you got me again. <laughs> well, welcome back for year two, and we cannot wait uh, to take you on another journey through a Denver Broncos season. Yes, yeah, so pumped that you're rolling with us again. Next one from Onion Town Links. I have an important announcement to make. I'm going to be a dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Yes, as long as I've lived, I've never been more joyful for anything. Thank you for opening up this platform for us to share things like this in the DNVR family. Absolutely. Man. Thank you for sh sharing that with us. That is awesome. So exciting, man. I've got goosebumps over here thinking about it for you. That's too cool. He says, now, my goodness, I'm sorry I forgot, but I had a challenge waiting for you guys since last week. The challenge is this. Make a team of Joes and Johns to compete for the Super Bowl. So as good as you can make it, only active players. You can try to limit it to as many as you can of one name. Example, Joe taking up 17 of 22 roster spots. I'll start Joe Flack, LOL. Just kidding. You'll probably choose Joe Burrow or something. Thanks for the awesome pods. And Ryan, get on the pod more, my guy. We miss you, Links. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, okay. We're, we're not going to rack our brains on this, but let's just see how far we can go just on our own. So you're starting with John Elway at quarterback. I'm thinking you can have John Brown as your speed receiver. Oh. Uh, Joe Horn as your possession receiver or your, okay. uh, your other receiver. Um, Joe, uh, Joe Thomas as your left Joe tackle. Joe Thomas and, and uh, Joe Staley yep. as your right tackle. <laughs> yeah. All right, Interior all right. Interior Joes. Can't um, think of them. Oh, man. Uh, John Lynch is your safety. Oh, nice. John Lynch at safety. Uh, Joe Schobert at tackle. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, at, at, uh, at linebacker. linebacker. <laughs> oh. John. Joe Hayden at quarterback? At, at corner? Yeah. At corner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's weird stuff going on with him. Um, trying to think of any defensive linemen or outside linebackers. I can't think of any. I think that's, I, that's pretty good. We got a seven-man team. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, like, a couple of Hall of Famers on there. <laughs> yeah, led by the quarterback. I think there's, like, a Joe Johnson, but that's basketball. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's John Hightower, who I believe the Eagles drafted this year. He's a rookie receiver out of Boise State. Okay. Um. Someone's going to come after us about some haul. Oh, I'm, like, sure. I'm sure. Oh, Joe Montana could be your backup quarterback. <laughs> there you go. Your quarterback room isn't too shabby. Yeah, you're, you're doing all right there uh, with those two guys at quarterback for you. Uh, and you're, you'll be doing all right for yourself and the ladies when you get yourself some manscaped. Uh, there is a running bit going on at the DNVR bar right now that, like, none of the men can stop talking about the crop preserver like at least once an hour it's a running bit because it is such a great product we just can't go an hour without talking about how good it is uh like it's the summer 
you, when you go to the bar, you're going to sit on like a, you know, a leather seat for a while. You just need the crop preserver as a part of your life <laughs> to exist in 2020. And all of the men in the company who uh, aren't diehard crop preserver guys are just getting roasted for this at the bar. Like, uh, it, it needs to be at least a, a once daily routine for you, uh, or else you're just doing the summer completely wrong. Yeah, without a doubt. And that kind of is just a great thing about all of Manscaped products is they're all good enough to talk about every single hour. Exactly. And again, you know, we're just having a conversation about how great this product is. So, uh, you know, that's a, it's, it's fair game in my opinion. One thing you may need those products for is when you're on hole 18 on WGT and your hands are sweaty, your palms are sweaty, you can barely hold the phone in your hand, but you know something else is not going to be sweaty because of those great products at Manscaped. And guys, you got to get in on WGT Golf because it is so much fun. And it's another thing that everyone at the bar is doing. Everyone at the bar is talking about how their weekend tournament went on WGT Golf. We're going to have another tournament coming up this weekend. We want you guys to play with us. And the way you do that, go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com. It lets WGT know that you want to play with us. Once you've downloaded it, go into the clubhouse section of the app and type in DNVR and the number three. So DNVR three, join the DNVR three clubhouse. It'll get you all the same benefits and access that DNVR and DNVR two clubhouse have. We just have hundreds of people playing already. So we had to open up a third clubhouse and get in this weekend for this weekend's tournament, win the tournament. And the thing that I love about uh, WGT is it's so realistic and you can play real courses that honestly feel like you're playing the course in person, including Pebble Pebble Beach and St. Andrews. So make sure to go to dnbrgolf.com, download WGT Golf. All right, let's move on here into the the rest of the comments here. The next one here comes from Mark Mark IT Snatch. Hey guys, uh, today is... Time to bring up the Broncos' biggest rival in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks. As they were once a division rival, the Seahawks and the Broncos have an incredible history. Overall, the Broncos are 35-21 and 21 against Seattle, but are 0-2 in the playoffs. There have been several great games over the years. My nominee for best game is the December 1999 overtime game at Mile High. The Broncos got an early lead in the game, but struggled to maintain it throughout the game until the fourth quarter. Uh, the desperate Seahawks on a three-game losing streak needed a win to keep pace with KC. Denver had added a TD just after the two-minute warning, down 10 inside of two minutes. Seattle got a quick strike TV, recovered the onside kick, installed before getting the game-tying field goal. But an OT, Ray Crockett strip-sacked John Kitna from the right when Kitna was looking left, and Glenn Cardez was right there to scoop and score and walk off the fumble on a, a scoop and score for six to finish and destroy any hope of the Seahawks winning the division. It was then the second time in NFL history that a game had ended in overtime with a fumble return. This also gave Mike Holmgren his first four-game losing streak as a head coach in 49 games. Was this the greatest, or does something else top it? And what about your Bucks, Mace? Well, Mace isn't here. Uh, but that's the one. That's the one. Yep, yep. With, without a doubt. Uh, another one that, oh, man, was a really good game, but the Broncos didn't come out on the winning side was a game that happened in 2014, and no, not in, not in February of 2014, in September 
of 2014 where the Broncos went to Seattle. Uh, the Seahawks were 2-1. and The Broncos were 2-0. and And the Broncos got down early in the game, but then made a comeback 17 points in the fourth quarter and just came short. Obviously, that's not going to be an all-time great game for the Broncos since they lost the game, but it was a good game. Oh, it was a great game. And uh, it was one of those times – I don't know. I just go back to the other game. It's probably one of the most memorable regular season games of my, like, early childhood. I remember that strip sack fumble so well. It just uh, – it just – I don't know. It was it was so rare. I don't think I've ever seen it again. And uh, it was incredible. And I think we've talked about it once before on the podcast. But I remember there was some debate – as to whether they like purposely fumbled the ball forward to try and scoop and score it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if you watch it, it doesn't look that way, but I do remember there was a debate about it. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. True Trant fan 24. My boys. I was not saying the Broncos were my pick to win it all. I was just talking about my basketball bet with RK, even though I just hit him with the double or nothing for jazz and nuggets. First round matchup. I still believe the nuggets are going to win the NBA title. How about that? So Ryan, you got a double or nothing pizza bet, huh? Yeah, you know, I figure I already have plenty of pizzas. I can throw another one down here. <laughs> and all it is is you, Nuggets just have to win the series? Nuggets just have to win the series. Man, that's a that's a very good bet on your part. He's getting desperate. My dream is that the Nuggets finish this season series 8-0 against the Jazz. <laughs> so sweet. You should probably get a third pizza thrown on top of that if that happens. If it's a sweep, I agree. <laughs> From Grumpy Pancake, top of the morning, dudes. Colin here. Been a few days since I commented, but I have been listening. Just busy as heck. Not much to say today, mostly just a hello. Thanks for the awesome off-season content. Excited about DeMar Dotson, but I also agree that he'll be starting week one. So excited to have football in our lives again. One more thing. Do you guys remember the commenter who wrote the amazing poems after every game the season before last? I think his handle was something something Mullins. <laughs> Miss him. If you're listening, come back. Write us a riveting off-season poem. Much love, Colin. Yeah, Colin for Mullins <laughs> was our guy. He pops in now and again. Uh, he's not gone forever, but we do hope that he brings back his poem writing goodness to the comment section. Yeah, I'm hoping Ed, we don't have to wait more than a month. I guess a month and a day is when the Broncos kick off the season. Man, how about that? One month from the start of training camp is when the Broncos start the regular season. And hopefully after that game, we'll hear from Colin for Mullins, if not before. And we'll also hear from starting right tackle, Damar Dotson. Anyone telling you that this man is here to be a backup is out of their <laughs> damn minds. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, do the, Ryan, do the Broncos want him to earn the job? Do they not want to em embarrass Elijah Wilkinson? I just, yeah, it's the classic, like, can't, you know, can't just give a job to someone when you bring him in. But, like, I don't remember Peyton Manning having to compete for the starting quarterback. <laughs> like, sometimes you just bring guys in, and they're just the freaking starter. I almost cursed. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing to it. You don't need to overthink this. When you overthink this stuff, that's how Kevin Hogan gets your $2.7 million third running back injured. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not like Elijah Wilkinson has been the plan at right tackle all throughout the offseason, and then come August 11th, you're like, shoot, you know what? We really don't like him. Let's replace it. No, 
10 days ago, the highest paid player on offense opted out. So you have to fill, it, fill the void. It wasn't Elijah Wilkinson. It's DeMar Dotson. Do it. So just like you said, Ryan, stop messing around. Give me a break. Next one here is from the other Ryan. He says, my boys. Now that we're on the verge of real training camp practices, I will comply with the request to keep my, com- uh, my comment pithy and cut to the chase. Who are, the current, who are your recent players that were hyped up in training camps on offense? Tomorrow we'll do the defense. That turned out to be over-promoted. Here are mine. At quarterback, we have Kyle Sloter backed up by Chad Kelly. At running back, we have Mario Fannin Jr. backed up by Xavier Orman. Omen. At wide receiver, we have Jarrell Robinson. I remember that one. And Cody Latimer. At tight end, we have uh, until proven otherwise, which would be great to see because he's a stand-up guy, Jake Butt. Enjoy your Thursday. The NV Army salute. Yeah. Uh, I will go with the one that is partly our fault. Uh, Case Keenum starts at quarterback. <laughs> yeah. It's not our I'm... fault, though. You know, I need to rephrase that. I There's nothing we could have done but heap praise onto Case Keenum during that training camp. He was yeah. I've, I, Ryan, I've been killed and crushed, understandably so, but I'm not embarrassed about it. I put out a tweet about midway <laughs> through training camp that said something like, Case Keenum hasn't thrown a pick in, you know, the first 10 practices of camp, and reportedly Patrick Mahomes just threw four in like a 15-minute stretch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was just the facts. That was it the was facts. facts. I was just reporting what happened. And Case was Case was good. Case was really good. He was lights out. You know, if you don't believe us, believe Chris Harris Jr., who was on camera after Case Keenum dropped an absolute dime about 25 yards onto the field, perfectly on the sideline. Cortland Sutton – or no, it would have been uh, – was it Cortland? Might, might have been Cortland or DT – perfectly uh dragged the feet and got it inbounds i think you may be right it might be dt and chris harris who was mic'd up that day said man if he is this good in the regular season we are going to be tough to beat <laughs> and it might have even been more hyperbolic than that like we're gonna be unbeatable or something like that you guys i just i don't know how to tell you other than case keenan was a literal machine every ball was on the money Deep balls left and right. I, I, I don't know what happened, although he did get injured in week one, and maybe that's just what derailed the entire Case Keenum experience. Did you check in with Case Keenum in Washington at the start of last training camp? Maybe he said it was that injury that plagued mm, him all along. Yes. <laughs> it's like a little knee thing, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Man, and these quarterbacks just getting some weird injury. Remember Trevor Simeon's shoulder? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Trevor Simeon grew a second head on his arm and it just kept playing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's what makes that guy pretty cool, man. Oh my uh, <laughs> Trevor Simeon literally, like, if you've ever seen a pitcher do their media availability after a game where they have, like, the, they look like a mummy because they're so wrapped up with, like, a massive ice pack on their arm. Yeah. That was Trevor Simeon after every practice. Yeah, <laughs> it seriously was. Man. Um, uh, so we have chat or, uh, Case Keenum, a quarterback, man, you mentioned Cody Latimer. I have to go there as well. This guy, his rookie year going up against Bradley Roby, the number one or the first round pick, he was schooling Bradley Roby and I wasn't there, but reports he was schooling Bradley Roby every single day. He was unstoppable. And just like Case Keenum, it 
totally flipped in the regular season. Um, and he just didn't have, he never had Peyton Manning's trust. Uh, and uh, then he just turned into a special team stud. Yep, special team stud. That's what they drafted him for. Second round pick. I'm trying Miss- to think of some other guys who were just like incredible in training camp and just never produced at all on the field. Hopefully we're not saying that about anyone this year. Kalfani Muhammad was always pretty dope in training camp. Never he even was. Uh, did he ever even get a carry in a regular season game? I don't think so. I don't think and he was really dope. Oh, yeah. D'Angelo Henderson was uh, uh was really good as well. I swear he his problem was opportunity. I swear. <laughs> it certainly seemed like it. Remember when he got on the field at the uh end of his rookie season? Didn't he have a touchdown? He did. A screen pass? <laughs> yep, exactly. Gosh, dang it. From Mr. Bezos, what player generally expected to perform well do you expect to markedly underperform? What player many are expecting a down year from are, are overlooking do you expect to overperform? Hmm. Okay, so someone – Oh, God. I've got my underperform. No one's going to love this, but uh... – Who's going to disappoint? I just I don't I don't know if he's necessarily going to disappoint. I just think people are setting their expectations too high for him. It's Von Miller, and it's not that I think he's going to have a bad season. I just think people are thinking like, oh, well, he's going to be back to 15 sack form, and I think those expectations are way too high. I would set his over under on sacks at 11 and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely in that category, Ryan. Where if he gets, uh, you said 11 and a half. If he gets 12, I am I am disappointed. Is it a bad season? No, it's not a bad season, but my expectations are high. So you're talking right to me, and I think that's a good one because he is old. That would be 50% more sacks than he had last year if he ends up with 12 this year. So it would be a huge increase without a doubt. But you're paying him all that money. I mean, you can go back and forth on this, but I think that's a very good one to point your finger to. I hope uh, I'm wrong. I really do. Are you going to look at the flip side of that with Bradley Chubb and say someone who's going to overperform? Yeah, well, I mean, mine would be Philip Lindsay because I just think that, you know, so many people are ready to, to make Melvin Gordon the bell cow running back and Philip Lindsay a gadget player, and I just don't think he's going to allow that to happen. I think that he's going to be the, the best running back on the team this year. Underperform? Ryan, I'm kind of – going along your logic for Von Miller, but I'm going with Cortland Sutton. Um, He has increased in his first two seasons every year. I think naturally, because he's a rising star as well, you can expect another big increase from him. But just with all the weapons that the Broncos have, I don't think it's going to be Cortland Sutton not playing as good, but I don't think his numbers are going to be as good as, as people hope and expect, I mean, definitely maybe a thousand yard season, but he had that last year. I think people may be wanting to see a 1200, 1300 yard season and maybe a red zone, just absolute threat. He got a lot of red zone threats now. So I don't expect double digit touchdowns for Cortland, maybe right at, right at a thousand yards, but Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Alberto, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, these guys are going to be taking opportunities away. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, it was basically the Cortland Sutton show for the second half of the season last year. It's not going to be that this year. I don't think that means he underperforms, but I do. I think you're right. You know, he his stats probably aren't as eye-popping as some are, are hoping for. 
and for performing better than expected, I'll go with Boye. I say, I think that he's going to have a bounce back season close to his Pro Bowl season in 2017. All right. I love that. I love that. Last one here comes in from Brian. He says, no football related comment. Just want to tell my boy from uh, my boy Caleb from the Xbox Madden, Madden League. What's up, man? And uh, <laughs> I'll say what up to Caleb too. Uh, Caleb and I are supposed to play in the uh, in the DNVR Madden League tonight, so hopefully I get to hang out with Caleb later. Uh, but also, what up to Brian, our guy as well? Yeah, what's up, both of you and Timmy, man? Timmy, I took Timmy to the wire yesterday, and. Uh, you know, there definitely are moral victories in the Madden League. <laughs> so I'm feeling good. Timmy's got to feel good since he got the dub. Uh, and, man, I'm feeling pretty good about myself, even sitting at 2-4. and four. At 2-4, and four, Ryan, in the NFC South in the Madden League, I'm only one game back of the division lead right now. <laughs> oh, my God, that's ridiculous. I'm 3-2, and two and I'm tied for second in my league with three teams. Oh, uh, wow. All behind uh, the undefeated Cowboys. Yep, yep, yep. But Cowboys I am in the playoff picture, me. so if I can get a win tonight, get to 4-2, and two, wow. People Man, are, are going to be talking about the Eagles across the country. If I, get, if I get a win this weekend sitting at three and four, I could be tied for the division <laughs> lead, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to get myself into the NFC South. <laughs> it's glorious down in the South. It sound, it sure sounds like it. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of just getting smoked by the Cowboys two times a year. Yeah, that's tough. That is really tough. I, uh, I was up 6-0 on the Cowboys two weeks ago and uh lost by like 25 points damn i uh saquon in my last game had his worst game of the season and he still had two receiving touchdowns (laughs) wow that's that's how things are going for saquon wow that's pretty darn good pretty darn good as well uh uh, yes pretty darn good indeed 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 all right uh before we let you go a shout out to davidson's location in centennial and highlands ranch uh the best place to go for all of your beer wine and spirits needs unless you know you want it just you want to have it right then and there in which case you should go to the dnvr bar but if you're buying to stock up for your own personal stash make sure you go to davidson's in centennial or highlands ranch get your breck brews get your whiskey get whatever else you need from there uh and you know take a little picture tag us tag them do the whole thing we'd really appreciate it and zach i want to finish here I don't know if there is something broken with our iTunes page, but we haven't received a fresh comment in like three months. So someone hook us up with a five-star review and a nice comment. It's been ages. And if you do, and I don't, if you do comment tomorrow and tell us you did, because I swear there's like a backup where our things aren't getting posted. So it's either that no one's helping us out and hitting us with five-star reviews and, and a comment or, uh, something's wrong. But if you do comment, let us know because I want to keep an eye on it to see if it actually pops up. Maybe we need some five-star Santas to come to us on training camp eve in the evening. And then when we wake up in the morning on training camp morning, we can look at them. Five-star Santas. This will forever be known as the five-star Santa podcast. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for Zach and I today. Uh, we cannot wait to bring you guys our training camp coverage. It's going to be awesome. What, the next time you hear from us, 
will be tomorrow afternoon. So start preparing yourselves for later posting of the podcast because we're now going to after the after practice podcast, uh, which we're really excited about. So tomorrow afternoon, that's when you'll hear the first post-practice training camp podcast. We can't freaking wait. Uh, Mace will have all the details for you. So we'll talk to you guys then. Let's get in.